This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Welcome to the Escape Hour. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. It is a stunning, uh, very mellow, not overly sunny. Did I say stunning? No, I didn't really no, mean. No, you not sun. It's stunning. It's, no. it's just a, a mellow, jello Saturday afternoon. You're probably out and about running errands or maybe you are just sleeping or chilling out at home. I know that's what I would be doing. There are some people that rush off to the market on Saturday mornings. There are some people that do exercise on Saturday mornings. There are some people that lie in bed. All of those activities are good. Uh, But Stefan and I... Yes, good good afternoon. We are. We're here for the next hour. We're here for the next hour on the Escape Hour. And uh, with some uh, interesting developments, our guest is is not here for reasons that we won't bore our listeners with. So you will be regaled with stories from not only Stefan and I about our recent travels, but also we will have Russ our former our former uh, host on to talk travel news. He's going to update us on everything from the travel world. And then uh, later on in the program, we will be speaking to Ruby Bookaboo, who will talk all about Paris and Cannes because she uh, goes to Cannes every year for the Cannes Film Festival. Lovely. She's also just recently released a book, which oh. is The Art Lover's Guide to Paris. Oh, I think that's really fitting. Yes. That sounds fantastic. And that, so. will, that will be open, uh, sorry, that will be available in Australia in June. It's already available online um, and in Europe. So she'll be on the line to talk about her book. Lovely. And um, so what have you been up to lately? Um, Well, you know, it has been a very hectic week uh, with, uh, dare I say, Comedy Festival. Oh, yes. I I didn't actually go and see that much Comedy Festival this year. I was kind of laying low. But over the weekend, I did take a fantastic trip um, to Rosebud. It's a lovely thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. It was a stunning day last weekend. So you went to the beach? I know. I mean, you can't help but see the beach because it's right there. But I um, went with my boyfriend on his very large motorbike. Mm. We rode down with some other friends on their motorbikes and we went to uh, Rosebud because there is a wide variety of uh, secondhand stores. Okay. There is a vintage trail on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, So there was a couple of stores that we checked out. There was also a fantastic... um, market that we didn't know was on and it's a bric-a-brac market and it was quite substantial so we went to the market and we also went to a cafe called the Spitfire Cafe. Oh, what's... what's Well, I mean, like, (laughs) uh, you know, my partner is really into Spitfires, which is the uh, British... A British World War Two aeroplane that uh, oh, won yes, the Battle yes. of Britain. That's right. Yeah. There is a Spitfire Cafe down there, and at the Spitfire Cafe, you can buy Spitfire T-shirts, mm-hmm. Spitfire caps. You can have. It's a burger venue. 
So, uh, so you ended up all kitted out in Spitfire merchandising. Eating a Spitfire burger, drinking a Spitfire beer. With, a, with your cap on and T-shirt. Well, I personally was not wearing a Spitfire cap or Spitfire T-shirt. But we had a really fun time and the burgers were delicious. And um, so that was really fun. So I did that on uh, that beautiful Sunday, sunny Sunday mm. last week. How about you, Stefan? Um, well, I, put a, I think I had a, I've had a... a French, uh, not a French, a British visitor for the last few weeks, um, actually for three months now, uh, and we kind of, we, it made me do a lot of things that I, you don't do. For, um, you yeah, know, that's just the great went, thing about having I a visitor. became a tourist again, a tourist in Melbourne, and, um, and I did something, I went to, uh, so she found this uh, Bendigo Blues tram. Are you Which saying blues tram or blues train? Tram. Blues tram. 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 So basically the premise is, um, it's, well, it's in Bendigo and you, every month they run this tram to raise some money because they've got a big ja- uh, blues and jazz festival in November, I think every right. year. And they do that as a fundraiser and you just spend three or three and a half hours on the tram going around Bendigo's. Bendigo streets, listening to lovely music, live music, having a drink if you want to. So this was quite um, something a bit different to do. And um, yeah, it's... it's um, right, there is so many lovely the, things to do in Bendigo. Abs- yes, yeah, so it's the first time I've been to Bendigo oh, and I didn't really? realise there's a, that's actually quite a lot of things to do. There are um, some nice wine bars in Bendigo. Nice restaurants as some well. Some nice restaurants. Which uh, we sampled. So no, it was uh, it was actually a lovely day. The weather wasn't great, but you know, you're on a tram. Well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, did you visit the Bendigo Museum? No, we didn't really. We just uh, listened to music, ate, drank a bit of uh, lovely wine, and uh, and then came, made our way back. Um, so it went around the streets of Bendigo as well. It's and, still uh, a couple of hours drive though. So yeah. that sounds like it was mm. a big day. It was a it was a little bit of a big day, but. Um, you know, that's uh, the thing. The tram started at around one o'clock, so we just made our way there for lunch. We had a lovely lunch uh, before boarding the tram, and then um, yeah, so it was quite um, quite nice. And what else did you take in while your friend was visiting? We also went. Um, we went to the Mornington Peninsula a few times. Um, Gorgeous. You know, did the usual wine tour, winery tours. And um, nice food. Although it's very difficult to, if you don't plan ahead, you need to book really. Otherwise, uh, if you try to get Sunday lunch on the Mornington Peninsula, it's very difficult unless you. Yeah, and you also need to line your wallet as well. (laughs) You do too. You do. Because it's not a cheap exercise. (laughs) No, you're right. Well, one of the places I like to visit on a on a uh, on a weekend, as far as eating, is Rare Hair, which is at the um, at the winery. I will come back to you with that one, but it's it's a really delicious winery, and that's uh, at um, around about Balnaring, mm-hmm. and I will come back to you with the yeah. name of that winery. But that is a great place you can drop in on. But the a lot of the restaurants are fine dining. Now, yes. have you, when you've been to the Mornington Peninsula, done the Peninsula Hot Springs? No. So, and that's something, it's on the car because as a thank you gift, that's what we were given, two vouchers. Oh, fantastic. For, uh, myself and my husband to go to Peninsula Hot Springs. So that's really is something we're going to be doing. Okay, uh, well. Quite looking forward to it. Top tips, don't go on a weekend. Yes, I've been told that. But uh, the other thing you can do if you do go on a weekend, which I've done once before, which I loved, is... When you go on a weekend, you book in a time frame. Oh, right. And I know it sounds insane, but book it in for the first 
of the first booking you can get, which is no, oh. you can get bookings at six a.m. Six a.m. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It means but you have to get up and you have to leave Melbourne super early. Yes, but it is so worth it because if you go to the top pool, because there's mm. quite a series of pools, you get there. There's no one there or very few people. You go to the top pool, which is always really crowded, and you sit there. And you watch the sun come up. Oh, that's Stunning. sounds appealing. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, there's there is um, a, yeah, there is a tr- the travel there. But there um, is the travel. Mm. Of course, you know, if you're organised and you want to spend more money, you can stay the night before. Yes. Um, and actually, they're doing a lot of works there. I think soon. So you can stay there as well if that's a place with it. I think that you will be able to soon. Oh, right. Uh, mm. But you know, there, there's certainly accommodation nearby, plenty of accommodation. Um, so mm. I think that that's just something to consider yeah and one thing we did as well we actually f- went to adelaide for the french festival oh i was in adelaide for fringe oh were you <laughs> not the same weekend <laughs> no i don't think we were the same weekend and that uh, was actually i um i've been to adelaide many times outside of the french festival and i never really um found a uh, yeah I, I just it's probably not the place i would decide to go to spend a holiday but that was really really nice and that's changed my mind on adelaide really it's there was such a buzz in the city and um there's a lot of fantastic things to do in adelaide mm. and uh, our resident uh, lonely planet expert chris dyer gave yes. me a lot of is from adelaide so he gave me a lot oh, of places to, to go and visit uh, sampled green ant gin which i think uh, you i've had the green ant gin yes um so great food great uh entertainment um, yeah, it's something I'll do again now. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. You're listening to a Joycast from GLD, TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. You are on the Escape Hour. This is Stefan and Fiona. Um, we are now going to hear all of the travel news from our hot travel tips director, Russ Masterton. Welcome to the show, Russ. Oh, my God, you guys, it's just been way too long. Missed you big time. Oh. Way too long. We Come miss back. you. Absolutely. Now, I know oh. you're going to be doing some fills over the kind of, you know, Eastery break. How are yeah. you, Russ? Really good, really good. Everything's um, couldn't be happier in, in travel world. Everyone's still travelling and we're busy, busy, busy. Um, I think the big thing in the travel industry is that airfares have really never been cheaper. I mean, this week alone, you could go uh, return from Melbourne to Los Angeles for only $799, um, Melbourne oh. to uh, London for only $1,099. And this is really getting the traveller out there to, to, um, to go and head off and have a bit of fun. You know, I would have to say that I love hearing about new airfares and cheap airfares and they're fantastic. But I guess what I always find, and I'm sure that there are listeners that find this as well, is that when you try to, you know, go online, I know that you're doing it, if, if, if we were to come and do it with our, our favourite travel agent, we might have yeah. a different experience. But, you know, you get these online deals and then you go, great, I need to go there. And then you click on it, but you cannot get those deals because they're just not available on the days you want to go. I mean, what what's the secret to actually getting okay, those deals? I think the, secret, the secret to that is if you see something on on Facebook or um, or, or one of the social media um, lines, um, you, you, there's a fair, fair bet that it could be a couple of hours old, it could be a couple of days old, and you probably missed out on the deal. But the, the key is to sign up with the airline. So, for example, Qantas, it has this um, cheap airfare to L.A., 
Um, if you're if you sign up to um, Qantas's um, e deals, and they'll send you the information, and you'll be the first on the website as soon as they're released, and, and you'll buy, buy, buy. So there there are ways around that. I'm not um, I'm not overly keen with um, with with seeing things on Facebook or hearing about them on Twitter because you're usually a little bit late. But mm. certainly. Sign up to the various airlines and you will be the first to know and, and, and you'll go, 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 which is great. So the other thing that's huge at the moment is Egypt is back big time and oh. I love Egypt. Well, that's fantastic it's, news because, um, I mean, it was overrun and then it really dropped off. So it's a good time to go? Yeah, well, they had the um, what what they called the the, the Arab springtime, where mm. uh, a lot of those countries in the Middle East all changed their leaders, and 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 things did happen, and and it was seen as fairly unsafe to go. Um, but now um, it's uh, five six years since the since the Arab springtime, and Egypt has its doors wide open again. They have put some amazing tourist police on the ground, the military are on the ground, their big, big thing is protecting tourists and their tourism industry, and it's back big time. So the things that you you should go and see, of course, are um, uh, the, the Great Pyramid, mm. Sphinx, uh, then you would scoot on the Nile and take a fabulous Nile cruise. I could see you as Agatha Christie, Stefan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could picture myself with a turban somehow. I don't know why that came to mind when you said that. <laughs> You'd look oh, right. great in a turban. <laughs> oh, you would too. You would too. And of course, Fiona, you would make a beautiful Queen Nefertati. So what more could you ask for? I, I can't think of anything <laughs> I better. I could together, uh, the three of us. I think that if, if I could have people attending me, uh, not slaves, they would be paid. Uh, but yes. I think that would be wonderful to, you know, live in such splendour. <laughs> and you can get some really good deals to go there. The thing is, uh, now that it's open for business again, there are these gorgeous seven-night Nile cruises mm. that you um, cruise up and down the Nile from uh, Luxor to Aswan, and it's only about $600 Australian per person. That includes all of your meals, the seven-night cruise, and um, and all of your um, shore excursions to see all those fabulous ancient ruins on the... Uh, God, that's so ex- it's so cheap. Um, uh, Russ, tell me what kind of what are the size of those boats? The cruise ships are they small? Are they moderate? Yeah, they all take a hundred um, about one hundred and twenty passengers. So there's sixty cabins on board, but they're those really cool little river boats that you see where there, there's three decks and there's two decks of cabins, and then on your top deck you've got your I don't know your swimming pool, your bar, your dancing area, your little. Um, table tennis uh, fitness area and so the the top deck is where all of the action and, and partying happenings and then you've got these really um, nice cabin decks where you go and sleep and chill and relax and um, very good way to go but the, the the best thing you can do if you've got Egypt on your must-do list is head down to Abu Simbel now Abu Simbel is just south of Aswan and you, you um, need to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to see the sunset in um, Abu Simbel because it's right next, right uh, close to the Egyptian and Sudanese border. Mm-hmm. And this is a massive, massive ancient ruin that um, when um, Aswan built the high dam, they had to move it from Aswan all the way down to to this new location. And it, it, it was a major feat, but this ruin is absolutely stunning and I highly recommend that anyone who's going to Egypt should definitely get down to Abu Simbel and have a look at the um, the amazing ruins down there. It's so beautiful at sunrise and it, it's well worth, um, well worth it. The Egyptian people are so friendly and they want you there. And these Egyptologists, what they don't know about history, and the thing is these um, amazing sites were 
were built over 2,000 years ago, and how they did it is still the great big question mark. Was it them or was it the aliens? So do, do you subscribe to that theory, Russ? Yes. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I just, it's so incredible uh, what they yeah. did 2,000 years ago. But certainly there was, um, yeah, they were so ingenious and so smart 2,000 years ago. Mm. And then I don't know what happened for about 1,000 years. We all seem to put our dumb hats on and do nothing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but it is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. So the other last thing that I, I want to tell you guys mm. about. Yes, uh, members of the um, GLBTI community are going back to travel agents. Can you believe? That? Oh, so why, oh. why 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 do you think that is? What's um? Well, I think um, several factors. Um, I know, for example, that uh, nobody likes um, everyone likes a cheap deal, and you can, if you choose to, you can hop on and grab a cheap deal. But what if you have to change it? What if mm. you need to cancel it? Um, you're talking to a robot, somebody online. You don't even know what country that they're in and it costs you money, big money to make changes and big money to cancel. The other thing is um, they uh, people are so busy these days. They are so busy that they just want to go and see somebody who can do all the work for mm, them. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's why it's good to use a travel agent. You go and see an expert, somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and you can sit down with them, you can give them um, your criteria of what you uh, want to do on the... Um, on, on your holiday, and they go off and do all the shopping for you. Yeah, so, it's very, very good. So I've, um, I was reading today that one uh, one big Indian airlines just collapsed and stopped all international flights. Yeah, so I if, did. yeah, Jet Airways, I think. And if, so, if I booked my travel through them directly, I'd be left completely out to draw. But what about if I booked through a travel agent? Is it easier then to get on different flights to to get to my destination? Well, the, say, for example, that did happen to you today. Um, there are uh, several ways for you to um, to look after yourself. So always, always pay with travel by a credit card. Because yep. if you don't get the service, the credit card provider has to return the funds. It's as simple as that. And that is, that's 100% your safeguard. But you, can, uh, um, you can go to um, any, you can have any credit card. And all you've got to do is fill out a form, I didn't get these services, blah, 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 and then the um, the transaction is automatically reversed. The other thing is that if you've gone and bought that ticket from a travel agent, um, you would, um, your travel agent be busting their gut and working so hard for you to get you on a flight mm. with, a, with another carrier so you won't, or your holidays or your business, business trip weren't affected in any way. So always a good idea to use yeah, those wise people sitting behind a desk with their legs crossed and saying the computer says no. <laughs> 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 All right, well, there's some wonderful pieces of advice yes. and yep. uh, we'd love to hear from any uh, listeners who may have been to Egypt or might be going to Egypt. Uh, Russ, if you have anyone that's booked and they want to come on the show after they've come back to tell us all about Egypt and what a fantastic trip it was, please invite them on. But we'll put a Love call it. out to the general the general joy listenership to let us know about their Egypt experiences. I do have a very good friend who uh, travelled to Egypt. Unfortunately, she's too shy to come on the show. Oh, no. So oh, no matter boy. how hard I try to convince her... I've got an office full of travel consultants that are all, um, shall we say, performers, and they're just waiting for an invite on your show. So you, anytime you want a travel consultant to come on and sit there with you an hour, you just let me know and we'll, we'll come and tell you all about our favourite destinations and the do's and don'ts and the pluses of, of, of travel and where to go. So, I mean, the big destinations at the moment are, are definitely um, Sri Lanka, mm. uh, Egypt, 
um, India, um, Croatia is going off the dial, places like um, Bulgaria, mm. certainly, um, and certainly Africa is back in a big way, big, big way. So if you love wildlife, get to Africa, you're going to be absolutely blown away. Well, well, Ross, we, we really appreciate That's you calling great. in and giving us your updates on the travel. You know, we've been missing those updates. So we will look forward to having you in the studio again very soon. Very soon. And you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Thanks a lot. Okay, well, Thanks, you too. Ross. So no, doubt, no doubt knowing both of you, Fiona, you'll be off to a whiskey bar and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually off to, a, I'm, I'm off to drink Malbec. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> lovely, uh, you and that lovely boyfriend, Andrew, um, ha- have um, your weekends all set. Where the, where the next um, beautiful drink is coming from, right? Yes, we do. We do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, thanks very much, Russ, for joining us, right. and we'll speak soon. See you later. Bye, Russ. Joy 94.9 has a huge range of programs available for podcast. In fact, Joy is one of the largest podcasting communities on community radio. If you haven't checked out our podcasting service, you're missing out. Visit joy.org.au, click on the podcast tab, and you'll find a list of Joy programs regularly sharing the best interviews, news, and reviews. There's tens of thousands of hours for you to enjoy, so check it out now, joy.org.au. For uh, the show this afternoon, we are now joined on the phone by journalist, author, uh, tap dancer and uh, art lover, Ruby Bookaboo, uh, who's calling in from Sydney. Welcome to the program, Ruby. Hi. 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 Now, Ruby's been on the show before some time ago talking about her travels to Algeria. Uh, but uh, today what we really wanted to talk with Ruby about is her, uh, a few things. One of those is her new book, An Art Lover's Guide to Paris. Ruby, do tell. Yes. So this was uh, a commission that I had from an English publisher. Uh, it was winter last year or 2017 and winter and uh, just getting out of that it was the first winter I'd done in 10 years because <laughs> oh, I normally just chase the sun, right? Oh. <laughs> um, and I needed like a project and, and I had uh, somebody was looking for someone to write this book and I, I sent off some of my work and got the commission. Uh, so basically it was just a great excuse to get back to Paris where I spend a lot of time and dive into the art world because normally I'm in the music world and theatre and cabaret and this time was a bit different because it's Art Lover's Guide to Paris. So um, my approach was to... I've got so many friends, including you, that have come to Paris that I love showing around and not just... I let them go and do the big institutions by themselves and then I take them to the to the artist studios and see the graffiti walks and the kind of behind-the-scenes uh, things that you wouldn't normally find in the guidebook or... Or, or go and see if you didn't know anyone that actually lived in Paris. That's exactly right. For our listeners, uh, I uh, went and caught up with Ruby when I was in Paris a few years ago. Um, and, of course, I did a lot of the big institutions. Uh, and uh, during this chat, Ruby will be able to enlighten us all on how to cut the mm. line at the Louvre. Oh, but, uh, there's I, ways. There are ways. <laughs> there uh, are. But I, um, yeah, certainly met Ruby in Belleville, where she lives with her boyfriend and Julian and uh, we had a great time 
wandering the back streets of Bellevue and looking at the graffiti walls and going to the jazz bars and it was a fantastic experience and everyone should have a little ruby in their back pocket when they yeah. go to Paris. But in lieu of a ruby in a back pocket, there is the Art Lover's Guide to Paris. So <laughs> tell us a little bit more about how you, uh, you know, the contents of the book. Okay, so it's, it starts with a, a splash of history. So it just talks about the history of art in Paris um, from Charles Maine and, and Louis XIV and the Louvre, the, the history of the Louvre and, and just the first artists that were commissioned and the, the way that artists are, are received and, and seen in, in France over the, over the years. Um, and how Paris has always been a place that welcomes artists um, from refugees back centuries ago to, to recently. Um, and so that it starts with, with, with the history. And then I still do talk about the, the main museums. So it goes to the big institutions and I've broken them up into so the, the main ones, the contemporary, big contemporary institutions like Palais de Tokyo and... And um, and modern art, of course, Pompidou, and and then I go into artists. There's a lot of uh, studios that you can uh, museums in studios of the artist studios or homes, which is really nice. You can actually see where they created. So the obvious one is Rodin Museum, mm. which is near the Louvre, and there's a beautiful rose garden, and it's sublime. Um, and there's a whole lot of different ones that are either in artist studios or in collectioners' houses that have been beautiful houses that have been restored that they used to have. Either the artists lived in, in themselves or collectioners that used to have kind of wild society parties and they've been restored and they're quite beautiful to visit also um, just to see the context. And then uh, I talk about lots of little galleries and so I've broken them up into different sections. Um, so... And the good thing about the galleries is when I there's a little there's a there's a chapter later on which is art close and personal, which is how to meet the artist. So it's nice you know it's nice to go to the galleries and to the museums and that it's kind of cool to meet the artists themselves and and so I've gone through ways you can do that. So there's um, gallery opens every Thursday night. So basically every Thursday night you just go hopping between gallery openings where the artist is going to be there or represented of the artists or even a cool crowd that likes art and so you could go to five or six a night um that sounds like a lot of fun i used to do that when i lived in new york you know we used to go yeah. gallery hopping because it was a great way to get free free wine and free cheese oh uh, yeah <laughs> well that too it's and certainly you, and something you that you can do when you, you travel. Mm. um so uh so there's photography and i've got tips a friend of mine uh, olivia rutherford who i work with a lot who i do videos with um, so she's got tips on how to take your... Because obviously when you're there, you're going to be wanting to take your own photos. So she's got tips of different ways to get the best out of, of um, your own photos. So that's really nice. Um, how to attend an art auction. So I went and did it for <laughs> artwork. Nearly bought a $20,000 sheep. So scratch your head. <laughs> Ooh, that was <laughs> close call, Ruby. Close call. <laughs> so that was nice. And yeah, and they're, they're really lovely also going to those those. Um, options. You don't have to buy anything. You just go and sit there and and watch it, and it's actually quite exciting at the end of it. Um, 
Absolutely. It's like, it, it's like a spectacle, like when you go to the sumo yeah. wrestlers in Japan. <laughs> you know, it's really yeah. a spectacle watching all the, the people in the art world. You know, there's been a few movies made about the art world. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Rush. Um, uh, which movie was that with Jeffrey Rush talking it about is the art called world? called The Something, if I go to my chapter on. <laughs> oh, you wrote about um, it. Well, um, yeah, I know there was also that <laughs> that recent film, The Square, mm. which uh, yeah. we got some great reviews. Now, um, I think the, that, you know, the most overwhelming thing, of course, when you land in Paris is you want to engage with the arts. You know it's going to be overwhelming. You don't want to spend all of your time in... So you really have to cherry pick. You really, you know, you've probably got a limited amount of time and you really want to think about what kind of, in that limited time, do you want smaller, more intimate experience? Experiences, you know, you don't have to go to the Louvre. I went to um, the Louvre only after, only on my second time in Paris. I didn't go the first mm. time, um, and you know, try and find out or sort of make decisions about what kinds of museums and galleries you want to visit. Do you want to visit commercial galleries and see contemporary art by contemporary uh, French painters um, or uh, and uh, sculptors and artists, or do you want to really hit the top stories? Definitely. And then also, um, I've got a chapter on Greater Paris because outside of Paris, I mean, like the suburbs, there's actually a lot of really amazing uh, galleries and, and museums and, and spaces that, are, that have recently um, been expanded. So that's really nice to know about. And also, I've done a chapter on Arty Day Trips. So get out of town and go to not just Versailles, but there's several different places that you can go to that you can see the shadows but also that have art galleries and also you get to get some fresh air after being in Paris all the time. It's nice and then you can just go for the day and come back. So that's the chapter on that. Um, and also uh, there's a Montmartre walking tour which is really nice to do. So that's an artistic walking tour. So there's a little map and a guide. So you start at, um, you start at Moulin Rouge and then you walk down and you see, you go past the old studios of, of, of several of the painters and spots where the famous paintings have been made. Um, and you go past Picasso's old house and you can go into the Montmartre Museum, which is a really lovely little museum to go to that also has a lovely little inner courtyard. Um, and Renoir used to live there. And it's over a, a vineyard, so it, the air smells really fresh and you can also have a wine tasting. Um, so there's a whole tour and it's, that's really nice, I would encourage people to do that um and there's also chapters on art in public places so there's sculptures all over paris so you don't have to have this huge budget and go to museums every day you can actually go and see public art and sculptures and street art there's chapter on street art which is great and there's as you know some fantastic street art in paris and there you'd sure like to meet the artist also because they're always at it um and also things for art, close and personal, you can go to a sketch class, which I did, oh. which was fantastic. I'm oh, not at all a sketcher, good. but we had it. It's really fun. Yeah, so it's a live sketch class and you go and everyone's really serious and there's a live model and and because I'm not at all a, a drawer. I you just had a creative. laugh. <laughs> My friend's going, you're Picasso, you're Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> I've got colours and it's like going really... But, you know, so you can take it as seriously or not seriously as you can, but it, it was... And it was three hours which flew by because they have 15 minutes and then 20 minutes and then 10 minutes for different poses, um, which is fantastic. And then you can go and chill out. I've got a chapter on arty cafes. 
to places where you can go and have a meal or a drink, but actually have a lot of history in the walls and have uh, frescoes or beautiful decoration and in either classic or contemporary styles. Uh, it sounds like there's an extraordinary amount to do. You've given us more to do. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. You're listening to the Escape Our World, Joy 949, uh, with Fiona and Stefan. And we've got Ruby Bookaboo. on the phone and talking all about art in Paris. So, Ruby, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of people, when they come from Australia, use Paris as, you know, they spend a couple of days there and then they move on to another destination. So if you only have two days, what would be your top art uh, venues, art things to do in Paris? Um, I would definitely do the Montmartre walk that I've done in the book, um, just because Montmartre, is, that's, you know, the cradle of Impressionism. That's where, that's where it changed art forever, the artists and the the turn of the century that lived there and created Impressionism. Um, so that would definitely be on the top of the list. And it's also it's nice because it's outside and you can go into you can go into the uh, Montmartre Museum and the, just around the corner uh, there's the Artist Square where all the artists, you can get your portraits drawn, which is touristic, but it's still beautiful. And around the corner there's a Dali Museum, so you can get lots of lots done in that time. And, um, in terms, so definitely that's Montmartre. Mm-hmm. Um I would pop over to Belleville, not for the whole day, just for a little <laughs> bit of... In the, in the afternoon good. into that's the like evening. Good. Oh, there's good food there yeah. as well. I think in Belleville yeah, there's really it's good like food. Mm, it's, it's cheap, it's yes. cheerful, there's lots of street art, you're mixing with locals, um, there's lots of different choice of what you want to what you want to eat, what you want to drink, what you want to see. So that just as a little flyby, um, Pompidou Center is amazing, of course, and you can go up the top and other than the restaurant, just to look at it, it's a really good view over over Paris. Oh, I love and the Pompidou. The, I always visit. Last mm. time I was there, I was travelling with my good friend Manuela and uh, we couldn't go to the rooftop. Well, I had to go to the rooftop on my own because she has a fear of heights. So uh, <laughs> no. we, I couldn't spend as much time up there as I wanted. But, yeah, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic building and they have their a permanent exhibition, of course, of contemporary art is extraordinary. It's huge. Mm. Yeah, and also um, another good viewpoint over Paris and a, a wonderful museum is the Institut du Monde Arabe, the oh, yes, Arab yes. World Institute, and it's in the fifth, and it's beautiful. You go up to the the rooftop and you look over the Seine and over the Ile de la Cité, and uh, and the museum they have really interesting exhibitions from the Arab world, which uh, and since Paris is so so much influence and now there's so many different Arab um, countries that are, are living there. It's part of the culture so it, it may not seem relevant to a trip to, to Paris but it is. Yes, so I, really went nice to, I went to the Arabic Museum mm. uh, uh, when I was there and it had a fantastic extension by Zaha Hadid, the amazing architect, which mm-hmm. was really extraordinary right by the river. Um uh, that was really beautiful, although maybe I'm now confusing myself and maybe that was actually in Berlin. Oh, dear. Um, now, <laughs> now, Stefan wants to know, can you give us the tip on cutting the, oh, yes. cutting the queue at the Louvre? Oh, well, I'm also doing a series of e-books, um, which is going to... The first one is Paris, and so that's probably going to be launching in a couple of months. And so in that, I'm going to have links to, to, to ways 
you can but not very expensive. You just buy your ticket on certain sites. Oh, and I see. You don't have to wait. And there's there's options where you can go with a guide, which is nice. Mm. If you don't have a lot of time, you want to get some information. Um, right, so if you go with a guide, you skip the queue. That is exactly. a fantastic tip. Yeah. yeah. And so it's probably worthwhile as well doing because you learn a lot of things that you wouldn't have... Exactly. On your own, so yeah. Yeah, I actually um, found a shorter queue when I was there. Um, I entered from um, sort of below, and there was After the, the pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found mm. that the queue there was like maybe only twenty-five people as opposed to two hundred people. Yeah, I would definitely recommend. So in in the ebook, so the ebooks are going to come over at the same time, and it's kind of nice because it complements the the hard hardback, um, and they're going to be so that's. Uh, broken up in different sections and each section has a recommendation of what to see, eat, hear, do, taste and and feel in Paris and then there's links so you can you can click straight on to skip the queue in, in Louvre and you can buy your ticket directly from that. Um, so oh, that's really in, practical. Very practical indeed. Um, mm. You know, Stefan and I both agree that the Rodin Museum was one mm. of our, is one of our mm. favourites, mm. so I'm so glad that you mentioned that particular one. Um, yeah, and I've done a walking tour also that goes past the Eiffel Tower because the Eiffel Tower is in the 16th and so people go there and they go, oh, this is great, and then there's nothing to do yeah, because it's right, in yeah. the residential area. <laughs> and so I designed a, a walking tour for the uh, Big Bus Tour and Travel Guide who's one of my um, outlets. And that's in the series of e-books that I'm doing. It's got a link to that. So you can actually go to the Eiffel Tower and get, again, you get the skip the queue, which you definitely want to do if you're going up the tower. I found um, the easiest way to try and skip the queue is just walk up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's, that's yeah. a good tip as well. I think if you're it, fit enough, it, it's... Um, it really is. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, yes, of course, you do have to be able to walk up. I'm not sure how many steps there are up the Eiffel Tower. But I found the walk up totally engaging um, and, you know, you can always stop along the way. So uh, certainly that is a great tip to skip the queue is just take the stairs. Um, yeah, definitely. But also if you, you you can just get you can get the skip the queue ticket, which is not that much more expensive, and you buy it in advance, which is being a bit clever, and you're saving a lot of time. Um, and then in my walking tour, uh, you keep on going and you go past Rodin Museum, so you can go in there at the same time on the same trip. Um, and you finish next to the Seine near Invalid. Mm. So it's a nice way to make the most out of your trip rather than going all the way back and then going all the way back to the other side of town. It's nice to know what's near what. Um, so that's definitely a good a good thing to do to do the Rodin Museum at the same time as the Eiffel Tower. Um, well, uh, Ruby, there's one other uh, museum which I've never made it to, which is, I think, uh, the Monet Museum. It's called Le Orangie. It's a museum oh, yeah. that's... Uh, in the Tuileries. Yeah, in the Tuileries. And it just... Yeah. I haven't made it yet, but just the sound of it sounds so exciting. <laughs> it just... Because it's, it's got the water lilies. It's got the it's got water lilies this, in this it. room, which is just the water lilies. And I went to it. Um, it's also... The other good thing that I've got in my tips of how to... Um, you know, get get close and personal with the artists and with the galleries is that you can sign up to there. If, you, if you're super serious and you want to go to, you know, when you're going, you can sign up in advance for the newsletters of various museums and institutions. And I went to a forehand piano recital in the room with the water lilies. Oh, how stunning. So it, was it was incredible. It was like, and it was at night, it was beautiful and it was just, 
uh, a woman I met at, oh, something that people definitely have to do, which is incredible, is there's this um, silo just out of Paris that's been transformed into a private art collection. And the owners uh, do free, once a month, they take people there for free and basically walk them through and you get this private tour from the owners of this extraordinary uh, contemporary art. Um, and that's that's really good. So I met a woman that was there uh, that did the tour at the same time as me and she invited me to the to the orangery for, for the recital and it was beautiful just sitting there listening to this extraordinary piano four hands with the water lilies and then walking out into the Tuileries in the middle of the night. So How that, divine. Those kind of things are really nice to do. Yeah, and there's also a chapter on on when to go. There's a, an art diary because there's there's uh, there's open studio festivals. So there's be three days and there's one in Montmartre, there's one in Belleville, there's one in Melimonton and there's one in Pellechez where it's three days and all the artists open their studios. So you would have walked down these streets and have no idea that down the back laneway there's seven artist studios and during this festival they all open their doors and you get this map and you walk from one studio for the other and people are serving tea and you look to see the studios and it's one of the best things you can do. Um, Ruby, that sounds mm. incredible. I I am very excited by those tips and I know that if we continue to chat through it, we would learn so much more. But for those who would like to get a copy of your book, now you can get a copy of it online already, is that correct? And the hard copy is coming out in June? No, so no, no, no. You can pre. It's on pre-order, so you okay. can pre-order a copy. It's on hard. So if you go to Dimmix, yep. just search "Art Lovers Guide to Paris" by um, Ruby Bukabu. Yes, so it's White Owl is the and Pen and Sword that's the publisher. Um, but in Dimmix, just go to Dimmix and search "Art Lovers Guide to Paris," and you can order a copy right now. Very exciting, um, and so that will get to you as soon as published. It's at the printers right now as we speak. Oh, brilliant. And then mm, so you can order that now and you'll get it. Uh, and and your e-books, uh, your e-book on Paris will be ready around approximately when, Ruby? In a couple of months or so. So where I've just finished the draft, it's going to edit uh, and we're getting it designed in the next few weeks. So right. that should be around May, because I'm going to May Carnfield Festival. Um, Excellent. Festival in May, and so I'm thinking of doing a soft launch then. Okay. So people can find out about that. Oh, so Art Lovers Guide to Paris also will be will be doing a launch at the Australian Embassy in Paris in July, and then so people will get it. It's around June that people okay. get a copy, June or July. Fantastic, um, Ruby. Well, we have hmm. just run out of time. We really do appreciate you uh, giving us all those wonderful tips on Paris. We uh, can't wait to see copies of the Art Lovers Guide to Paris. People can get on to Dimmicks as we as Ruby mentioned. Hey, thanks, Ruby, for taking the time out to chat with us today. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks, and everything Ruby. else is on Instagram, Ruby TV. Fantastic. All updates will be out from that. Thanks, Thank Ruby. <laughs> Talk soon. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.